Welcome to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning to all of you joining us locally by radio and streaming online. We appreciate you tuning in. Today is Sunday, April 14th. My name is Maddie Love, and with me in studio is Hertzie Hertz and Rachel Lenz. We are excited to be joined uh, via Skype by Dr. Karen Stalsno. Karen is the author of numerous books, including her bestseller, God Bless America, Language, Myths, Mysteries, and Magic, Haunting, Haunting America, and her latest book, Would You Believe It? When she's not writing, Karen also teaches at several universities, has worked as a consultant linguist for several major companies, writes a blog focusing on language with a focus on myths and misconceptions. And with all of that, Dr. Karen Stolzno still finds time to co-host the award-winning science-based podcast Monster Talk, where she and her co-host Blake Smith look at the legends and facts surrounding Bigfoot, sea monsters, ghosts, cryptid, and other things that go bump in the night. This is an open conversation. We welcome and encourage listener interaction with your phone calls to 952-946-6205. Your emails to radio at mnatheist.org or tweet us at AtheistSoc. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on a chilly spring morning here in Minnesota. Or or not. Hello. Well, our sound engineer is working on some uh, technical difficulties. Uh, We can talk about the chill. The chill. It is... I am so happy that I got to wake up this morning and enjoy a a crisp spring morning instead of the gorgeous sunny morning that I was expecting. Yeah, really. second winter is kind of tough. Yeah, we went to the so- to opening of Allianz Field, the soccer stadium yesterday. I dressed in four layers and had mittens and the scarves that I usually wear just like to show team support and to twirl around <laughs> and stuff. No, the scarf was on to keep me warm and then the other scarf was decorative. I still, there's still, so I grew up in the area where that field was built and such. So it's always been kind of an odd thing for me to see it when I go driving by it. Cause I'm like, ah, it seemed to, it seemed to just pop out of nowhere actually. Cause I mean, I don't drive by that often, but every time I did drive by, it seemed like, oh my gosh, they just, they just, oh yeah. I was, uh, I was at work one day and one of the people was talking about how, um, they're like, oh, yeah, it used to be this vacant lot forever and ever. And I'm like, okay, no, it was not right. a vacant lot. Right. Like, And admittedly, this is – A lot not, of it was parking lot. Yeah. But. <laughs> but about 20 years ago, what ended up happening is um, it was a, it was a um, bus depot for Metro Transit. Uh. And it was actually a big garage. A lot of people used it. Huh. I do believe, though, we now have Karen. Do we have Karen on now? I think so. <gasps> Yay! Yay! Technical difficulties solved thanks to our fantastic and marvelous uh, studio sound engineer, Eric. Mischief. No worries. It, that sounds like the start of any episode of Monster Talk. <laughs> really? Oh. See, like, but you also have the benefit of just like editing, editing that out. <laughs> that yes. is true. That's true for a podcast. But um, yeah, hey. It's, we were it's live fine. for like 15 million people, which is a total lie about our the Minneapolis Oops. numbers. I was going to say five. We have five listeners. That is not true. I we know. So I was listening to the commercials and then everything just went dead. And, and I thought, oh, okay, this is just some kind of prelude. I'm not sure. I just went with it. <laughs> no, I, I had this big, long introduction for you. And I'm going to keep all that because, like, it had a lot of nice things about it mm-hmm. because you were oh, pretty it- awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That is very kind. <laughs> and it's, I wish I'd heard it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I just talked about all the books that you have. and How smart you are. Yeah. The fact that oh, you so, oh. <laughs> yeah. You've built me up too much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, first question out of the gate, because I, I am I'm a little curious. Like, I understand what the word linguistics means, like sort of, mm-hmm. I think. But 
What exactly does a linguist do? Well, linguists do lots of different things. And um, funnily enough, about a year ago, I published a paper um, for an academic journal called Lingua. And uh, it was entitled, um, oh, you're a linguist. How many languages do you speak? And because that's a question that I encounter all the time and and most linguists do as well. So linguistics is the, the science of language. So linguists can study lots of different things. Some do speak lots of languages. Uh, typically, the the formal term for that is polyglot. So someone who speaks with lo- speaks lots of languages, uh, works in translation, interpretation, that kind of thing. Um, so linguists can work with phonology. They can work with semantics, like I do. They can work with sociolinguistics, uh, morphology. So various aspects of language, and some some of that can be research based. Some of that can be teaching. So linguists do lots of different things, and uh, I think just like many academic academic pursuits, uh, a lot of people don't know, you know, or, or lay people don't know what a, a linguist does as a rule because it's just um, you know, very specific academic scholarly stuff. So to do with language. So you uh, you help out on uh, Monster Talk, and how how exactly does linguistics everything that you just talked about or spoke about? Um, how does that play into a study of cryptozoology or monsters? Um, I wouldn't say that it always does. Um, I think often we might talk about linguistic aspects. Uh, we might have a guest on the show who wants to talk about a who talks about a specific monster and might talk about the etymology, the origins of the name for this creature. Uh, we might talk about maybe sociolinguistic aspects. So uh, of a particular monster, uh, we might talk about. I mean, it, it's. I won't say it's linguistic focused at all. Uh, I think that my background in skepticism really comes into play a lot more. Uh, and certainly, if you ask me a really specific question, uh, a, a kind of trivia question about language, I might not be able to answer it. It would be something that I could research easily, but I might not know off the top of my head. So, yeah, you know, I'd say we always talk about language. We always talk about communication. Uh, it comes into play, but it's not really a focus for the show. Hmm. One of your most recent books, The Language of Discrimination, looks an awfully lot like a textbook, or at least Amazon has a price like one. Um, For the price, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's $177, I think, at, at last um, so, view. So I, I've got a, 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 sorry to interrupt, I've got a trade version of that, which is going to be uh, coming out hopefully soon, right. which is called Why Is That Offensive? So, it, yeah, The Language of Discrimination absolutely is based on my uh, my PhD dissertation and it's unreadable i can tell you (laughs) uses a methodology that maybe less than a hundred people use uh worldwide and so it's not readable but uh this version hopefully will be that that i mean because just looking at it like you know atheists often talk about you know discrimination that we face in christian privilege and like many many Mm -hmm. of us involved in the atheist talk are women and minnesota atheists as a huge group of uh, you know, involved with the LGBTQIA community. Um, right. So could you take a few moments and pretend like we're underperforming students who need help <laughs> understanding why, like understanding like what this, what the, I guess what your dissertation is about or like what this book is about or what this, the book that you're, that you said is going to be released shortly that will be readable. Mm-hmm. Maddie, about. I didn't yes. reala- Maddie, I didn't realize you had access to my grades. <laughs> <laughs> and mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, the, the language of discrimination, the, the academic book that, as I said, it uses a methodology called natural semantic metalanguage. So that's just not, not worth getting into. Uh, but this book is really more of a, an overview of discrimination, prejudice, intolerance, uh, bias, bigotry. Uh, and I look at that from many different angles. So there's a chapter on racism. There's a chapter on sexism. Uh, there's a chapter on ageism. There's a chapter on lookism. So uh, I look at all the different areas of discrimination and prejudice, and I kind of have a hook for each chapter where I give a a story that kind of gives an overview for that particular chapter. And uh, then I go into a lot of terms and why they're offensive. Uh, I mean, I, it's not exhaustive in the sense that there are so many insult terms and slurs uh, microaggressions and terms that are offensive today. I couldn't possibly treat every single one of them in the English language, but I think I do treat a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I just often hear that as a question. Why is that offensive? Uh, you might hear that from Republicans or, um, you know, people who just wonder why particular terms could, or even denying that they're offensive. Well, that's not offensive, uh, making decisions for other people. Uh, so I just go into the etymology that a lot of terms, historical terms, have baggage. And so I, I look at what the origins of the word are, word is and, and what, uh, what it once meant and what it means today, uh, the, the ramifications of the words, uh, and cite, uh, take examples, case studies from um, you know, contemporary incidents, uh, maybe in politics or just things that celebrities say and, again, why they're offensive uh, and so I think it's really very explanatory, um, but I think that it's written for the general public, um, for, for lay people. So I'm not heavy on terminology at all like the academic version is. Well, and language, once again, I feel like I, I, I'm such a lay person, but language evolves is my understanding. And mm -hmm. I guess part of that, like when you're talking about definitions, uh, most of our regular listeners are up to speed. But for those turning, tuning into AM 950 KTNF for the first time as they drive to church this morning, can you explain what you mean when you use that label, when you use the label skeptic to define yourself? And as I ask you that question, I realize I only have like a minute and a half before we go to break. Oh. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I think I've always been a skeptic and I know that there's a lot of negativity surrounding the term skeptic. It's often conflated with cynic. Uh, we find the same thing with atheists, that people just look at that as being a negative term. Uh, I think for me, being a skeptic, uh, some people will differentiate and say, oh, you're a skeptic with a, a capital S, or you're a professional skeptic or something like that. I, I don't know what defines a professional skeptic, really. Uh, but I, for me, being a skeptic is about uh, keeping an open mind. And if I'm presented with information to, to question it, and to do my research, to not take anything at face value, uh, and to if I'm presented with paranormal claims or pseudoscientific claims, to always look for natural explanations for phenomena rather than supernatural or paranormal ones. Yeah, I want to get to – we're going to go to break here in just a moment, and I want to touch on – that you're know, talking about paranormal stuff. Touch on your other book that just got that just came out a couple years ago. Uh, so please stay with us for the break. Hertzy, Rachel, and I will return to Atheist Talk with our guest, author, researcher, and podcaster, Dr. Karen Stalsno. You're listening to AM 950 KTNF, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota.
Welcome back to AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, joined in studio by my co-hosts, Hertzie Hertz and Rachel Lenz. In just a moment, we'll return with our special uh, in-Skype guest, researcher, linguistic professor, and podcaster, Dr. Karen Stalzno. Although she's sort of in studio because the phone for the Skype is in studio. So um, I don't know what you're signaling, dude. Oh, there's a buzz. I think if you wiggle the cord a little bit. Just jiggle it. Just a little bit. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Eric. Um, (laughs) I know you just finished listening to commercials, but I wanted to give you my weekly thank you to both Minnesota Atheists and Cucumbers Restaurant and to Diner for their support of Atheist Talk. I consider myself a scientific skeptic, so when I was told about how extraordinary the buffet was at Cucumbers Restaurant, I was open-minded but needed some evidence. So I made a short, easy trek to France Avenue. Why are you laughing, (laughs) Erzik? Between 494 and Highway 62 to gather some empirical evidence to test this claim. What I discovered after numerous tests of the buffet and salad bar. I can't even finish this. <laughs> but honestly, cucumbers is great. You sure? Oh my gosh, it's there. so delicious. Yeah. Okay. So yes, cucumbers is one of our sponsors, but they really are awesome, and we wish to thank them for their continued support. If you'd like to advertise in this program and keep us on the air, please contact contact us at radio at mnatheist.org. And now back to Dr. Karen Stalzno. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us at radio at mnatheist.org, or tweet us at Atheist Talk. And thank you so much for putting up with us, Karen. <laughs> oh, and we have lost Karen again. I was really worried there. We, I don't know why we're having so many technical difficulties today because this is normally not something we deal with. I don't know. All right. Can so, you, we yes, can hear you. Yes, we can hear you now. You can hear me. Okay, yes. good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we went to break, uh, Tush, I wanted to talk about your most recent book, the one that's just meant for ordinary folks like myself um, that they can pick up from their local bookstore. Would you believe it? Mysterious mm-hmm. tales from people you'd least expect. And it had me one, wondering – Two things before I even opened it. The first was, is Karen going to share a bunch of stuff that didn't make the cut over at Monster Talk? And the second is, <laughs> what kind of people are we talking about here Like that I would least expect? So how would you answer those questions that I had before I even opened the book? Okay. Well, people you least expect. I'm talking about skeptics. I'm talking about atheists. I'm talking about critical thinkers. So people like uh, the, the mentalist Banachek, um, Joan Nichol, uh, the, the skeptical investigator. Um, Eugenie Scott, uh, I'm sure these names are familiar to a, a lot of listeners. George Schraub, um, you were talking about Jeb Card, so Ken Better, he's been a guest on Monster Talk a number of times. Uh, so the people you least expect, basically, people that don't believe in the paranormal by and large. Um, so I, I'm sorry, what was the other question? <laughs> so... Um- are this the stuff that you share? Is it just like some mm-hmm. of the stuff that I might find over a monster talk, or is it are oh. they more stories that like you know in a different genre? Well, it's not monster related necessarily. There are a few stories uh, that contributors uh, have written about their uh, alleged encounters with alien big cats and, and things like that. So they, they are uh, animal, non-human animal related. Um, but by and large, uh, their, their stories, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you how I got into this in the first place. Doing interviews over the years, uh, especially with paranormal shows, I'll always be asked, have you experienced anything paranormal yourself? And I was always want to say, no, I haven't experienced anything. And uh, then in talking with other skeptics and hearing about their interesting stories um, of all different kinds of 
seemingly paranormal phenomena that they've experienced, which has um, ultimately natural, normal explanations, I thought it would be interesting to get in contact with a number of my friends and ask them if they've had any personal experiences which they can explain or, or can't explain. Um, so, for example, one friend, Steve Kuno, who's a fellow author, uh, he was a, a Mormon for a number of years and he believed once that he'd cured a woman of a, uh, a cancerous tumour that she had. And so he t- describes that story basically of how he became a Mormon and um, how he was a missionary, so he's going from house to house and, and preaching as they do, and uh, came across a woman who had a tumour and been diagnosed with cancer, and he did a number of healing sessions with her, and then suddenly she was apparently cured. So he then delves into the true explanations behind that and, and what actually, I mean, he doesn't know for certain what happened, but what may have happened, that it might have been a, a misdiagnosis or she might not have been diagnosed at all. Um, but basically this is just a collection of fun stories of, uh, ghost apparitions and UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, uh, all different kinds of experiences that on the surface people would think were paranormal and then the, the possible explanations for what truly happened. And often there is a, an explanation for these stories. And then sometimes there isn't with a few stories, there are just question marks. And I think that that's a great illustration of scepticism in general, that we don't always know how to explain things, but that doesn't mean that there's necessarily a paranormal explanation. So you share uh, a story of your own, which is about grief hallucinations. And yes. is, is that a common phenomenon? Because I've never I've never heard of it, grief, grief hallucinations, or at least I haven't yeah. heard of it described with that way. Uh, yeah, some people call them bereavement hallucinations. And I've read a number of studies that say, uh, between 20 to 80% of people who lose a loved one will experience them after they've died in some way. So whether it's smelling a uh, maybe your grandmother's perfume after she's passed or hearing your partner's voice when they've died um, or even seeing an apparition of a person. So I do – there are a few grief hallucination stories in the book and they are apparently very common uh, and it's – Really, the the kind of if you're living with a person and uh, you're experiencing them every day, uh, and then suddenly they're gone, it's uh, and you're living in the same house. It can be very easy to imagine to hallucinate that they're sitting in their favorite armchair or they're um, doing things that they used to do around the house to hear them in some way. People even have grief hallucinations when they lose a pet, a dog or a cat, and they might think that they hear the the animal. Uh, the cat meowing or the dog scratching or something like that. So it is uh, just a very common psychological phenomena because it's very difficult to accept the loss of someone. And in many ways, you want to see them again. You want to to have a final experience with them. So it's a very common thing. Would you say it's similar to like a, a more profound version of phantom limb syndrome? And I do compare it to that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there it is um, – it's, it's a related phenomenon, not the same thing, but uh, that it's, it's similar to that. So we only have about a minute before we're going to break. And I just wanted to you know, mention one of the things I really loved about all of the stories in this book is even the, unex, you know, the unexplained ones, like people like Joe Nickel, the tone of every story and the way that they're telling it is not one of mocking, 
Like they're not if I like if I shared that I had this weird experience, like I had a ghost story. None of these people mm-hmm. would mock me. They're just gonna. They're not. I'm not gonna convince them that I saw a ghost. Like I don't believe I've mm-hmm. ever seen a ghost. But like, but they would say, "Oh, you actually experienced something. Tell me more about it." And I thought that was a it's an, a really good overall tone to the entire book. Oh, thank you. I'd like to uh, attribute some of that to editing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think. There, there were a few stories along the way which had that kind of mocking tone. Um, but I, I think that the sheer fact that people have had these pseudo-paranormal experiences, which should really humble us and to make us realise that uh, it, it doesn't make you stupid to have these experiences, that everyone really has them. It's a matter of how you interpret them. All right. Well, we'll return to our guest, uh, author, podcaster, and doctor of linguistics right after this short commercial break. Please stay with us. I'm Maddie Love with Hertzy Hertz and Rachel Lenz, and you're listening to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk on AM 950 KTNF. I'm your host, Maddie Love, in studio with Hertzy Hertz and Rachel Lenz. We are chatting via Skype with Dr. Karen Stalsnow. Dr. Stalsnow is the author of numerous books, is a doctor of linguistics, and is co-host of the popular podcast Monster Talk, a science show about monsters. If you'd like to chat with us this morning, you can call us at 952-946-6205, email us radio at mnatheist.org, or tweet us at Atheist Talk. Before we return to Karen, I wanted to thank our group of dedicated volunteers and the generous donations of you, our listeners. You help keep Atheist Talk in the air and in podcast form. If you are able to help with a donation, please consider doing so at our radio fund page or our Patreon, where you can get extended interviews over at patreon.com slash atheisttalk. Minnesota Atheist is a 501c3 tax-deductible organization. We couldn't do this show without you, and we deeply appreciate your support. Music for Atheist Talk is by composer and member Brent Michael Davids and is used with permission. Please note all opinions are of the guests and hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the Minnesota Atheist Organization. Mischief managed. Let's get back to Dr. Karen Stalsnow. So, Karen, going into the break, we were chatting about your book um, and about mm-hmm. the all the super awesome stories that are in here. I actually had my own weird ghostly experience that I wanted to share because, you know, why not? Um, I'd love to hear it. (laughs) And it's – I mean to be fair, after reading your book, it is nothing like awesome, like these really cool experiences like these. But for me – so I was was just sitting in my living room and I – just watching TV or or studying. I don't even remember now what I was doing because I know memory is terrible. But what I do remember is watching or seeing this – somebody in black run from my bedroom into the kitchen, which was just on my like right side, just right in the periphery of my vision. We didn't have cats at the time. There's nobody else in the house. And it's like, I know there was nobody there, (laughs) but I had to get up and go look because I know, I, I know that I saw something, but like the rational part of me is like, there was nobody there. You just had a hallucination. (laughs) And it's like, I'd never had a hallucination before. So I, I always was trying to be charitable when people tell me about, you know, I saw this and it's like, oh, I know you did. You think you did, whatever. And then I got down and was like, oh, yeah, I, I understand why somebody who's especially going through a strong hallucination can mm-hmm. like really believe that what's happening is true. And I found that I'm now in a position where I'm even more charitable and generous when I hear people tell me stories where it's like, I need to not mock you because I can see why you believe that. Absolutely. And I mean, you could have a hallucination like that for any reason. It could be that you're very tired. It could be that you're sick in some way, that you're on medication. Um, It can be lots of different reasons. But uh, I think a lot of paranormal people would interpret your story as being a shadow person. So I think that's a a paranormal explanation anyway. Uh, But as a skeptic, I would say that that's probably a case of pareidolia. 
that you've seen something out of the corner of your eye and uh, your, your brain is just trying to make sense of that and uh, and to, to interpret that random stimuli as being something familiar. So it's like seeing faces or, or pictures of things in the clouds. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of fun websites nowadays. You can go and look up pareidolia and you've got lots of uh, inanimate objects that look like faces and people. Um, so it's supposed to be one of those kind of evolutionary traits that we have to uh, to be able to, to see the human face and recognize human features in inanimate objects um, to rec- recognize dangers, basically. Um, but uh, I just still think that's a fun story. And I think some of the stories are rather short and we just go into a lot more information about exactly what's going on. So I think everyone's got a good story. Was it was it hard to get like stories like this from people that are known to promote who like who stake their reputation on promoting science and reason and like they spend their time arguing against magical thinking? That's a really good question, and uh, I had a lot of more moderate skeptics, so people like Eugenie Scott, who I think would classify herself as being more of a humanist, uh, and people like uh, Banachek, the the mentalist, who were like, "Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely, all humans." had these experiences, they've got a good grounding in psychology, but certainly there were some sceptics who uh, will go nameless um, that had their reputations to uphold and they thought that this was somehow going to to make them fall off their pedestals. Uh, So even though they had had experiences, like me initially, they were interpreting those or reinterpreting those as being natural and uh, couldn't couldn't look at them from that perspective. So, uh, yeah, they, they were very reluctant to share those stories with me and didn't want them to go public. But it, it seems like um, there is a, uh, a a conclusion written by uh, the psychologist. He's I'm trying to think, is at a university in, in uh, Canada, uh, Jim Alcock, James Alcock. And he talks about how everyone will have these experiences. And he's been teaching classes in critical thinking for decades and uh, he, funnily enough, couldn't think of an experience himself, but he said, I do teach to my students that everyone will have these kinds of experiences. They're human experiences. Is it, is it just that certain people are more inclined? If, if you already believe in magic, now you're going to see this experience as, and then, like, remember it, whereas, like, I might have an experience like this and, and just, like, write it off as, oh, I rationalized it away, and then I didn't remember it ever again because it wasn't important to me. Absolutely. And that was what was happening to me. I think a lot of it is about socialization, too. If you're raised in a family where uh, the family might be religious, they might be superstitious, then you might be prone to interpreting these experiences as paranormal, supernatural somehow. Whereas if you're raised in more of a secular household, you might have these experiences and talk to your friends and family about them. And they might give you more rational explanations. You might do some Googling and find out rational explanations for what happened. Um, but I think a lot of it is just personal interpretation. Some people want to hold these experiences as being paranormal and uh, will repeat them that way. And, and then you were talking about memory being faulty. Uh, often in the retelling, a lot of these stories become more paranormal too. <laughs> was there anyone in this book that you know did share a story, but when you reached out to them, you were like, eh, they're never going to respond to this? <laughs> and you were surprised that uh, they did. <laughs> I would say all of them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I really thought that no one would want to be seen in this light. I didn't think anyone uh, that, that I'd contacted would want to share their stories um, to the public. So uh, I was just very 
very pleased um, to to get all of this this these stories and this positive feedback uh, from so many wonderful people, people I really respect. So, would you be okay with taking a caller who wants to share an experience with us? Absolutely. Please. All right. So we have Brian in Plymouth. Brian, thanks so much for calling Atheist Talk. Uh, yes. Uh, what I want to mention is that. Sometimes when people see something, it's not in their imagination. Or, or is there a good explanation that you can explain it away? And I can, I can give you one. It was uh, January of 63. I was in college. I was going down 52, which is now 94. And uh, anyway, long story short, I thought my engine was going to throw a rock. It was going clunk, 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 clunk. And before this happened, the guy said he'd follow me and make sure I got home or back to the, you know, off-campus uh, housing, and uh, he was following me, and he took off and went in front of me to take his girlfriend home on the Clearwater exit. It wasn't an exit back in those days because it wasn't a freeway. Anyway, <clears throat> I was driving along. My wife was sitting beside me. I wasn't married to her at the time, and she had a roommate in, in the, on the other side, and the roommate was sleeping, and I looked at my wife, and I said, gee, the moon looks huge, and there was this big round object in front of my windshield. And she said, that's not the moon. The moon's over there. There was the left side. And at the time, I thought that was the moon. I don't think that was the moon either. So the engine was going clunk, 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 clunk. I thought I was going to throw a rod. <clears throat> I was only going 20 miles an hour. It's as though I was uh, <laughs> had something that this UFO was one way I was going so slowly. I had that feeling after. So uh, I pulled to the side. We watched this thing come over my car about 300 feet above me. And uh, the ch- the color changed from orange to white to green. There was haze underneath it. And uh, I didn't see any little green man or orange man. I didn't see any portholes in the bottom. My watch didn't lose time. I don't, I didn't want to, I'm not embellishing this story. I'm just saying what happened. And we watched it for about five minutes. It was about 300 feet right, right uh, uh, above me. And I was almost certain the thing was, what the heck is this guy going so slowly for well, it turned out I had, I had the wrong spark plugs in the engine. Long story short, anyway, he finally took off, and then you could see it was a disc because the, the round spherical shape uh, changed to a disc. Now, I've been an atheist all my life, and I know there's a lot of Andy Warholists, I would say, in our world who want their 15 minutes of fame. But my wife, whenever I mentioned this, she didn't want me to even talk about it to other people. Because they thought, well, you're one of those UFO nutcases. And I'm not a nutcase. <laughs> I right. saw this thing. I'm not giving you a story. I didn't, I'm not embellishing it or anything. There are times when things actually are true and you have witnesses. We were living an awful big cosmos. That's true. Brian, we're going we're gonna to finish taking your call off air and uh, we'll chat about it. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay, I'm going to go off the air. Okay. So... Karen, like when I hear that story, and you you do handle more like fan, uh, stories of the paranormal than I than I obviously do. What I hear is somebody who had an honest to goodness experience. Um, mm-hmm. I totally believe that he had this experience, but I'm not willing to believe yet because I don't have enough evidence that it might be aliens. But like, I totally believe that he experienced something. I don't know if you saw in in our chats on the side. I just mentioned that I couldn't hear him at all. Oh <laughs> <hear> no. <laughs> 
So he had a fantastic experience, um, and I'll, I'll quick sum up that you know he was driving sure. down the road, uh, he was having some car mm-hmm. trouble, and he had essentially he saw this huge light in front of his car, right on his like the hood of his car, and mm-hmm. this was you know, back. I, I'm, it was back in the '60s, but I'm going to not make that joke because he sounded like he was a, like this was not like anything <laughs> related to that. But like he actually had this experience and he's talking about, you know, I've been an atheist my whole life. I don't believe in a lot of this, a lot of extra stuff. But at the same time, the world is so huge and complicated and the cosmos is so big, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's like, okay, well, I had this experience. So I don't know. It's just I I hear that and I like I actually enjoy hearing stories like that. I just come to a different Mm -hmm. conclusion. Absolutely. And uh, I wish I'd heard the story, but uh, I have heard similar stories before. And uh, as you say, not having been there, it's really difficult to say what happened. So it's a great story in and of itself, but it's something we can't really replicate. I mean, we might be able to replicate it under certain conditions if we had some theories as to what was actually happening. Uh, So really the best that we can do at this point, I I see a lot of skeptics who will say, oh, this, I've solved this, this is what happened. And uh, I just think to take that blanket approach is the kind of thing that uh, makes people call us naysayers and and uh, to say that we're cynics. Uh, I, I think that really you could cite possible explanations for something like that, but you can't definitively say this is what happened. So I think it's great just as a, a dinner party story or for uh, Sunday morning radio to be able to talk about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say whether it's paranormal or not, probably not, uh, but just not being able to go through and, and state exactly uh, what happens. Uh, I, it's just a fun story. Yeah. And I, I know like I've heard, I've had Dr. Joel Nickel on, on Monster Talk and you were interviewing him and mm-hmm. he was talking about how, you know, you can write off somebody's story. Or you can go investigate and if the story is – if you're able to based on the facts. Right. And how – I remember one where you're talking about like people were complaining about noises next door and they just kept getting, you know, there's no ghost. There's no ghost. He went and investigated and it's like, oh, look, there's a washing machine next door. Like mm-hmm. but these people were actually hearing something. Like they weren't making it up. It wasn't a hallucination. Anyway, I've, that, I've only yeah, actually a, got like 15 seconds before we go to break. Um, oh, so that's a good point. <laughs> we'll return to our guest, Karen Stalzno, right after this short commercial break. I'm Maddie Levin, studio with Hertz Hertz and Rachel Lenz. You're listening to Atheist Talk on KTNF AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. You're tuned into Atheist Talk. I'm your host, Maddie Love, and I'm joined in studio by Hertz Hertz and Rachel Lenz. We are happy to be joined via Skype by podcaster, author, and linguistic doctor, Karen Stalsnow. Karen, thank you so much for sticking around through the break. Oh, no worries. So um, I, I do want to keep sharing. We, we keep having – we've had more listeners like – this this last one sent us a message uh, talking about that they wanting to share some stories uh, that they've mm-hmm. gone through. But before before we do that, I wanted to take a minute to have you talk about you have a, another book of yours, uh, Unforeseen Circumstances. Don't leave me. Um, I have not bought this book. What is this book about? They're actually two separate uh, short oh, stories. Okay, and I I think uh, long before I was interested in skepticism or knew what skepticism was, uh, I was just interested in horror and the paranormal. And uh, so now, when I have a week or two off here and there, I just like to put together a short story. And uh, so those uh, are you can get those on Amazon. I think they're ninety nine cents or something each. And I'm hoping eventually to compile a number of them, maybe 13 or something, into a, a book. 
Um, but I'm working on another one now that I hope to have out in about a week, which is called the I Am Me, which is about doppelgangers. Oh. And so Unforeseen Circumstances is uh, about um, uh, oh, a long story, really, but they're, they're paranormal, ghost stories, horror stories, and so it's just another side love that I have. I will buy that anthology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually multitasking right now and I'm going on Amazon to buy two more. Yeah. The only the <laughs> only reason I am not going on Amazon right now is because I have Dell's question on my Facebook oh, on my fair. phone and I don't want to lose it. because um, Dell is listening and if I do lose it, they're gonna be sad. Um so De- Farmer Dell, who's been a guest on the show a couple of times and has the evidence-based eating podcast, which is awesome, uh, has the question, has anyone shared they tr- quote-unquote tricked someone into thinking they had a paranormal experience, either by accident on or on purpose? Did they come clean to that person they convinced? Dell apparently did this as a kid. <laughs> and to this day, their mom thinks a ghost found her glasses and put them in the ki- on the kitchen table. <laughs> Dell has not had the heart to admit this <laughs> and was too embarrassed. Great. Now I feel bad. Now her mom's well, going to know. Does, does Dell's parents listen yeah. to this? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. But this would be an interesting way for Dell to fess up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to this day, their mom brings it up as her only paranormal experience. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, well, my co-host from Monster Talk, Blake Smith, he we did an episode on Robert the Doll. Have you ever heard about Robert the Doll? I mean, yes. I have now that I listen to Monster Talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so see, I was into this a, stuff before. A doll, uh, which is on dis- – very creepy-looking doll. You should go and Google a picture of it, um, which is on display at a museum in um, – I think that could be Key West or something in Florida. And people believe that the doll uh, is cursed – and that if you take a photograph of it, that it will that curse will be placed upon you. And uh, anyway, if you listen to that episode, you can go back through our files and, and listen to it. And Blake tells a very funny story at the start in which he tricked his uh, daughters into believing that they had a haunted doll. And I think his wife kept throwing the doll out and he kept getting it back out of the trash and it kept appearing. So he, he played that trick. So I didn't. What a jerk. <sighs> that's not that doesn't generally not a word I would use to describe Blake. <laughs> but that does sound kind of mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think um, you know he's he's just got a funny sense of humor. <laughs> I but love um, I don't have any stories like that in my book. But I've certainly done some investigations in the past where I've uh, performed hoaxes in order to kind of elicit responses from people and to to be able to um, see what would happen so um i think i've done an interview about this it would be a show within itself um that i could do with my husband sometime too um in which we um because he once belonged to a, a ghost hunting group oh. in denver and uh, but it was more skeptical investigation a group that does investigations and research rather than uh, being ghost busters and ghost hunters mm. Um, but uh, we basically hoaxed another group who um, I think point was that we were trying to show that it's dangerous to go to these ghost hunting groups and to invite them into your home and um, that their interpretations will invariably be that you are haunted, that you right. have ghost activity. And so we um, 
basically teamed up with a friend of ours who is a, a lawyer, district attorney actually, locally, and um, just invited this group into the home and gave them a story and they found a ton of ghosts. Uh, in fact, they said this place is more haunted than Amityville. <laughs> they said they found 80 ghosts or something. Oh, my. They did EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, and they recorded all of these sounds like don't choke me and I'm dying. And uh, I mean, there was absolutely nothing there that we're aware of, but we um, just, I guess, in a sense, it's a kind of priming to say, come and check out my, my house. I think that mm-hmm. it's haunted. That's really enough for people who believe. Um, but so I have performed hoaxes, but um, these people aren't necessarily aware of what we did. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I wonder how many times danger. Sorry. Um, I wonder how many times uh, ghost hunters go to houses that people call them and, and they say, no, your, your house isn't haunted. Uh, um, I think never. with our group, historically, we did. We'd go and we'd give natural explanations. Oh, well, sure. you've got an electrical problem. You've got a plumbing problem. Um, you've got uh, coyotes outside. That and, and to provide possible natural explanations anyway. But most of these groups, and um, we did a study a few years ago, there were maybe about 150 ghost mm-hmm. hunting groups in Denver alone. Wow. And, uh, yeah, they pretty much invariably tell you that your place is haunted right. because that suits their bias and their beliefs. Right. I guess that's the way to keep the spirit. Yeah. yeah. She couldn't make it through one podcast episode without a bad pun. <laughs> um, so I did actually show Maddie and um, Rachel the the Robert doll. I do have to laugh, though, because there's another doll that is haunted, and that's the mm-hmm. Annabelle doll. Did you, when you said haunted, you used the air quotes, right? Yes, I did use air quotes. Okay. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't actually do air quotes, but the implied yes. air quotes. Yeah. Anyways, but there's the Annabelle doll, and that one actually makes me laugh the hardest because, you know, whenever you think about it, you think like one of those creepy porcelain dolls. And if you look, there's movies now where they have the creepy porcelain doll. And then when you actually find the doll, because it's in a museum, it's a Raggedy Ann doll. Oh. That. <laughs> At least I know I had one when I, in the 80s. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this so is... So did I. Yeah. It's like, it's the least scariest thing I can think of. <laughs> Unless you had my doll, because I was... I can't even remember. It's going back so far. I was maybe four or five. And uh, we had a Raggedy Ann doll that was delivered to us for me. I don't know who it came from. But when we opened it up... Uh, no, when um, Customs opened it up, so it went through Customs, it was full of uh, some kind of bug... Like these bugs were eating this thing alive. So to this day, I don't know truly what happened. Who who this who had sent this doll to me and what it actually what it was infested with. But so I think well, that's far more scary to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is definitely more scary because that actually has real life consequences. Right. And Maddie's pointing. Yeah. I'm just pointing to let you know that we have 30 seconds oh, left, oh. and we are going to have to unfortunately end the show. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Atheist Talk. We'd love for you to join us again next Sunday. And remember, if you miss an episode live, you can always catch the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm proud to be on the air with Minnesota Atheists, and hope you enjoyed the show. The show depends on the generous support of our members, our sponsors, and donors. Please consider supporting the show through the donation link at mnatheist.org. This has been Atheist Talk on AM 950, KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota.